Good morning. Turn in your copy of God's Word to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. And I'm looking because I forgot to do it earlier. If you're going to use the Pew Bible, it is almost there, almost there, almost there. Page 822. 822 if you're using the Pew Bible. Uh, We are continuing in our series of Jonah as we look and see how much we're like Jonah, how much God has called us with the mission of purpose, but how much we have received the mercy and grace of God. Today, as we look through and look and consider Jonah's story and the event of, around Jonah's ministry, we want to see today that we're to call to tell others of the God of second chances. So we're going to read chapter 3 of Jonah. It's only 10 verses long, and so let's join in reading in your copy or on your devices uh, from Jonah chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest to the least. Then the word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh. He got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By the order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. He must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that as we come to your word, that it is perfect, it is true without any mixture of error, that this event we know was recorded for us, that was God-breathed, that this story was breathed so that the prophet would would write this so that we today in 2001 would know something of your greatness, of your glory, and God, how we are to bow the knee to it. So Lord, as we come to your word, we pray coming in that same humble of heart that you would change us and that you would make us new and that today that we would be different than when we walked in here because of your word and because of the work of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been given a second chance? Maybe you, on a test, failed it miserably, but the, the teacher, in their kindness, gave you, the, uh, gave you the opportunity to retake it so that you could at least get a passing grade. Maybe you took on a task at work where you were the lead, and it failed in all, every sense of the word, but instead of being blamed for it, your boss gave you another project, another opportunity to lead and continue. Maybe it was in a friendship that you failed. You know that you did wrong, but your friend graciously gave you 
a second chance, showing you that friendship bond matters and that forgiveness matters. Well, here in chapter 3 of Jonah's story, we see something of this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here we see that God called Jonah to preach again. If you've not read this book before, maybe you have seen and maybe sat back and seen how amazing it really is. You think that uh, it was all over for Jonah, but here God gives Jonah a take two. He puts Jonah back in the same position as he had earlier to, to go with the same message to the same people with the same purpose. Yes, it would have been easier if Jonah had just obeyed the first time God had called, but he's getting a second chance and God isn't done with Jonah. Maybe if you're a doubter of Christianity or you're not a Christian, you might be surprised as you read through this book how much a holy God who will judge every action is also characterized as a God of second chances. There's no Christian that you will ever meet that will not know this, who will not, as we have sung today and will continue to sing in worship and song and in praise of the extraordinary mercy that God has given us in spite of our failures, in spite of our sin, that God has granted us mercy. We see in this text that God uh, is given a second chance to mo to Jonah to send a message or take a message of mercy to Nineveh. And therefore we see that it is our role to take the second chance God has given us to deliver a message of second chances to the world. In this text, I want us to see three truths about the second chance God gives. First of all, we observe that we are messengers who had a second chance. We are messengers who had a second chance. If you're taking notes down in the fellowship hall or at home or here in the room, it's, we are messengers who had a second chance. Now, we see and we probably, as we are reading this, would put our place in the place of God, though we probably shouldn't, if we were to consider how God may react and maybe even second guess how we, he reacts, which we shouldn't do, we would probably see him to say, hey, you know, Jonah, um, I, uh, I gave you a second chance or I, I gave you a calling, I gave you a purpose, you ran for me. And at least in that running, I saved you from the depths of the ocean. I saved you from the belly of a fish. Hey, good job from here, but I think I'm going to go a different route from here on out. I'm going to call somebody different. You, you know, if we were in God's shoes, we probably would say that would maybe even be a reasonable action in doing so. But thus, when we read this, instead, we see God's, re instead of God's rejection of Jonah, we read here, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Here, the almost word for word, except for a slight change, God puts him right back in the, the place of ministry that he had called him to go. Here we see that it's important that God came to Jonah the second time 
and the commission was the same as before, Jonah was given a second chance, just as many of God's people often receive a second, a third, or a 77th chance. Think of throughout the scriptures, Moses received a second chance after murdering murdering an Egyptian slave driver and fleeing to the desert. David, after several different failures, was still characterized by God himself as a man after his own heart. And perhaps, maybe poignantly, Peter was given another chance after he denied Jesus three times and to say that upon his faith, the belief in Jesus, that he would be a leader in the church ongoing after Jesus returned to heaven. Isn't this an encouragement to you? Isn't this an encouragement to me as I see God's second chances as we face our disobedience and sin, that when we repent, we seek the grace of God, that we receive it again and again. William Banks observed of this text, we are moved to speak of Jonah's God as the God of second chance, but honest, sober reflection compels the saint to speak of him as the God of the 999th chance. Such gracious mercy was extended to Jonah here and to David and to the thief upon the dying cross and to Peter and surely has been granted to all believers through the precious blood of Jesus. However, we must celebrate this, that we are honored to be those of us who know that we've been pulled from the the depths of our sin, that we know that we've been pulled from the rejection of God God that we have in our own hearts from all the sin that we have done and yet God has pursued us and loved us and given us mercy. But we also understand and see here that Jonah was given an opportunity to complete his task, to take the message of redemption to Nineveh. Now, there is no principle that is found even in this story or in the Bible that says that God always puts us right back to where he finds us. As a matter of fact, we always deal with the consequence of sin. Jonah did that, right? He was in the, in, the, in the ocean. He was in the belly of a whale. But sometimes God will put us right back in that moment of ministry and opportunity. And we see here that God was truly committed to redeem the people of Nineveh by sending someone to take the message of redemption to them. Highlighted here is that God truly ordains people to take the gospel message to other people. You see, we read in this book a miraculous event. I mean, even non-believers, even people who have never opened a Bible know in some way the story of Jonah. And we see the hand of God that is miraculous. And many might say, well, if God could miraculously save someone from a belly of a fish, surely he could have taken the gospel, a redeeming message of, of repentance to Nineveh in another way, maybe in a more miraculous way. Maybe he could have just dropped the fish down in the middle of the city and said, hey, you know, hey, look, you'll be like this dead fish if you don't listen to me. There are many ways that God could have done to bring people to their senses, to repent and to follow him. But over and over and over and over again through the scriptures, we see 
God's commitment to send believers, to send his people to other people with the message of redemption. Think in the book of Acts. We see this time and again. There were three times we see miraculously that God took the gospel to someone. And in that, could God have given the message himself? Could God could have worked a different way? Every single one of these times, God still used a person to carry the message. Think about in Acts chapter 8. Philip was transported to an Ethiopian eunuch. Now listen, now transport. This was not he hopped on a high-speed train and got there. This is more like Star Trek, beam me up, teleport, he's there. And there he finds an Ethiopian eunuch who is reading the gospel of Isaiah and he gets to tell him what this means. What is the gospel and how he can be saved? Could God done something else? Could he have teleported, uh, teleported this Ethiopian eunuch somewhere else and, or displayed this message across the sky? Surely he could. But God has committed his plan to the gospel going from one person to the other person. Secondly, you might read fast forward to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, a Roman soldier, is thinking and pontificating and God sends an angel to him. Now, what could have happened then? The angel could have said, here, let me explain you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what you need to know. But what did the angel say? No, you need to go find a man named Peter so that you can hear the gospel. God could have done many different things. But we, we know part of the story is over on the other side of the city. Peter's getting a dream about a blanket coming down and squirrels and animals and all sorts of meat that we can now eat are coming down. And he's getting the message that he can go and now that, that to break down every barrier of, to the Gentiles that Peter's supposed to go. God ordained that moment for Peter to go to Cornelius and Cornelius to go to Peter so that the gospel could be proclaimed. And right in between that, we learn of a man named Saul. A Saul who is on the road gets knocked down by a flash of light and that he hears the gospel message and meets Jesus himself right there. Jesus could have said, let me tell you the truth of myself. Let me, let me show you about the wonders of my grace. But he said what? Go to the city to find Ananias, Ananias. There was a commitment that God has from his plan to take the gospel from each person to the next person. And God happens to use people like me and like you who have been given the God second chance to take the message to others so that they might hear the message of second chances. What a greater person could be chosen to go to Nineveh than this prophet who had, been, who had run from God and yet had been restored by God, even though it was an untimely tale of going into the ocean and being spit up by a fish. In the same way, brothers and sisters, how much do we who have been saved by grace in the depths of our sin, far from God, that we have been redeemed 
that we can go to others and tell them, look at what God did to me. He can do this to you if you repent and believe. This good news that God uses others is important for us to know. Because brothers and sisters, we need to hear this because we're going to the gospel to every home here in the next few weeks. And, and listen to this. Though that Jonah got a second chance, we don't know that we're, we're always going to get a second chance to share the gospel. We don't know that God's going to be able to put us in, the one, in another place, another time to meet these people. Listen, we understand the sovereignty of God, that God is going to call someone. He's going to work by his means and will. Well, how do we know? We know that we have been called to go, and God's going to use us so that we know that in God's sovereign plan, he could be putting a spiritual conversation that only you could do by going up to that specific door to a person that God has already been on the work in to share the gospel with that person. Jonah experienced the mercy and grace of God who has experienced this wonderful opportunity. The same should be for us, that we should desire every opportunity that we have to share the gospel we need to take and consider the divine appointments that God is going to give us that we need to take them. If it's not the gospel to every home and being on a team, knowing that God will have somebody on the other side of the door somewhere that, that he has ordained for you to speak to. But what about in your own life? God didn't place you in that family on accident. God didn't put you in that cubicle by happenstance. God didn't put you in that locker on that hallway by chance. God has given you and put you in those places to be the lighthouse of his good news of second chances through Christ. And we need to take them. And we as people who have been redeemed, who have received a second chance, how much more should we be desirous of the things of God that we would tell this wondrous good news? Let me just ask you this, just to take a temperature check for us. If we know that we are supposed to go, that God in his plan has made it for us to pray that others might receive the gospel, that God has made it so that we might go and tell others about the gospel, let me just, just make a temperature check this week. What if God were in his sovereignty to say, hey, Sean, um, Hey, every, you, everything you prayed for this past week, I'm going to grant to be true. But everything that you've prayed already, past tense, this past week would come to be true. How many of those prayers would be answered that people had come to faith in Jesus Christ? How many times this past week did you pray specifically for someone who was lost? How many times this past week did you pray for the opportunity to share the gospel for someone? How many times did this past week did you ask for God to save someone? Brothers and sisters, if we understand the gospel, if we understand this grace and goodness and mercy of Christ, 
that it has come to us. How do we not see it as a calling and purpose in our lives to spread to the world and our desire to be a part of that? So God uses people and gives them second chances. And we can't presume a second chance, but we must always be ready for this. Number two, to bring faithfully the message of second chances. To bring faithfully the message of second chances. When verse three, we, we see that, uh, that uh, John got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day and proclaimed in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Now, there's debate, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, of when it talks about there was a three-day walk. Some say that it was the circumference or greatness of the city of Nineveh. We know that it was a great, important city. Some say, well, that doesn't necessarily match up. Some would say then the way that this describes is that it took a day for Jonah to get there. It took a day for him to enter into the city the way that you're supposed to do it. And then another day for it to get through and to proclaim and get, be able to speak the message. Whatever it is, there was a purpose and opportunity and time to enter this great city. But it is clear that Jonah had just one message. Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. Now, this is probably a summary of the message, but it makes it clear that God has told the people of Nineveh, shape up or you will be wiped out. This is a warning of God's judgment and apparently what God had given him to say. Now, this might not be seen like a very gracious message, or a message of second chances. But if you were living in that time and you heard the term 40 days, you would have heard something beneath that message that, have, that would have heard the graciousness of the invite to repent and the possibility for change. In that day, 40 days was very similar to what we would say in dozens and dozens, the ways that we would say, hey, and you've got several dozen days to get this thing together. The people of Nineveh, if they would have just heard this message, hey, Nineveh's going to be destroyed, they would have been like, oh, well, no, no chance for us. We're done for. It is over. But what was the message? Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. There's this message that is tied to the judgment of God that is this mercy of God, that in 40 days you're going to be judged, but there's an opportunity for you to repent. And this is where the grace of the gospel properly begins, a warning and a reminder that the gospel is both a message of judgment and the message of mercy. You see, there's a great danger in our culture that we would soften the edges of the gospel that we'll be so concerned to win someone or to concern our hearers that we, we, we skip over the unpleasant reality of sin or the unpleasant reality of hell. But the good news is only good news when we see it in the light of the bad news. We only know how good and gracious God is when we understand the consequence of sin. Many in our culture also believe that there is really no danger 
of separation from God for them. Many in this culture believe that everyone will make it to heaven one day. Many people believe that they're just good enough, that God's just going to grant them eternal life. Even in churches, people believe that their, their commitment or their, their family's commitment to being in, in the church is just going to somehow balance the scales that everything's going to work out in the end. But in many ways, when we proclaim the gospel, part of our work is to get people unsaved or what they think that their salvation is in so that they can get truly saved. In this case, we need to help people understand that the trusting and faith in Jesus Christ is an answer to an issue that none of us have the answer for. We know that because of our sin, we know that there is, there is separation from God. We know because of our sin that the wrath of God will be on everyone who is not holy like God, which is everyone. We know in our sin that because of our rejection of God, that he rejects us. But the answer for us is to remind people that there is both a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. In the light of this judgment, we must share the news. We cannot be tempted to avoid the hard parts of the gospel to only speak of God's love unless we understand the depths of God's love in saving us. It cost God, his son, to pay for the penalty of our sin. The reality of this is that we should understand the depths of who we are. The cost of Jesus' life but also knowing that we are far from God without him. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, so evangelism must start with the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, the demands of the law, the punishment meted out by the law and the eternal consequences of evil and wrongdoing. It is only the man who is brought to see his guilt in this way who flies to Christ for deliverance and redemption. The message that we have been called to share is a message of a second chance as God. But we can't understand this second chance message unless we understand the punishment that we are facing. The weight of our own sin deserves the wrath of God, and we know that it has been forgiven by the work of Christ. So in this, we understand that this message is now even more powerful because Instead of being lost in our sin, we have been given a second chance by putting our faith in Christ. Friend, if you are not a Christian today, you're far from God. I pray that you would be struck now by this heart of the message of second chances. Would you agree with the message of Nineveh, that you would agree with the message of the Bible, there is nothing in you, there's nothing within me that deserves a second chance. And yet God in his love has saved us by sending his son to die on the cross. Would you trust in that today? And Christian, has God given you a particular responsibility or situation 
or relationship or talent or opportunity that you have felt and been burdened, that you've messed up, that you feel terrible. Well, maybe you need to hear today and be reminded that the same God who has saved you still gives you second chances. I mean, remember, our God is the God who gave hope to Adam after the fall. Whatever you have done, you have not plunged the whole human race into eternal eternal misery as Adam did. Yet Adam received mercy and a second chance. Whatever you have done, remember you have received a message of second chances. Joseph's brother, the same God used the malice of Joseph's brothers to deliver his people from a devastating famine. The same God forgave King David and Mary Magdalene. This is the same God who gives second chances that you need to hear today. And whatever responsibility or situation or relationship you have messed up, remember the same gospel message applies to you still. The same God calls you to be born again through his own spirit to make you a new creation, Christian. This is the God you believe in. So look up, look to him. Don't be plunged into despair and be reminded of the message that saved you. There is a message of second chances for here as you as well. So number three, remember this. Repentance is the road to second chance. Well, verse five through 10, we see the impact that this message had on the Ninevites. That from the greatest to the least, repented, turned from their evil ways, it says. And it's at the end, we see God turned and relented the disaster that he threatened them with. Jonah obeyed his call, and in astonishment, the Ninevites repented. Instead of being one of those examples where God wiped everyone out because of their sin, instead, an entire society repented and turned to God. We don't see that very often. So what is repentance? Well, Mark Dever says, what is repentance? It is a turning from the sins you love to the holy God you're called to love. It's admitting that you're not God. It is beginning to value Jesus more than your immediate pleasure. It is giving giving up those things the Bible calls sin and leaving them to follow Jesus. You know, a biblical definition of love sees repentance in three vital elements which we see here in Nineveh. First, we see sorrowful mourning over sin. You see, repentance is birthed in us admitting and realizing not just that we've got caught, not just that we've done something wrong, but that we've done something wrong to a holy God. What do we see the Ninevites in verse three, verse five, that, that they were called to fast. They put on sackcloth. They, they went in ashes. <laughs> we even see this example that the king said that the animals must do it. I, I don't know what the animals did wrong here. I mean, come on, pick it on Rover for the sins of the people. That's a little, little harsh. But in this, we see that every one of them was brought to sorrow to Jonah's God over what they've done to him. 
You see, false repentance grieves only just the consequences of sin. People are not sorry if they've sinned, but they just got caught. True repentance grieves over sin itself. So it's not just, though, sorrowfulness over sin, but repentance, secondly, also requires actual turning from sin, that we turn from the ways that we're going. J.I. Packer writes, repentance is a change of mind issuing in a change of life. In the King's Proclamation, it says, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand, in verse, verse 6. What was Nineveh known for? Their violence, skinning people alive, putting their, their skin on the walls by bearing them up to their, their heads and putting stakes through their tongue, this viciousness, evilness, that pervaded the, the people and the culture, what happened? The king said, turn from it. Stop doing it. Everything that's wicked about you, don't do that anymore. Instead, do what is right. We see that the people understood that repentance means not going down the same path as sin and hoping for a different outcome, but instead turning from sin. And doing it no more. And thirdly, repentance culminates in a turning to God and renewed faith. We see in verse 8, let Nineveh decreed, let them call out to a mighty God. The people of Nineveh cried out to God for mercy. We see people throughout the Bible who we find sinners repent and turning to God in prayer and discovering grace in return. Brothers and sisters, this is the picture of Nineveh, of the second chance that comes to those who truly repent. If you're a doubter or an unbeliever today, let me again extend to you the offer and the invitation to repent and believe and be saved. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 17, he says, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come. I encourage you today that wherever you find yourself, that you would repent, not because just you want to avoid hell, not just because you feel sorry for, that you got caught, not just because you want to be a better person, but I encourage you and call you and implore you, repent because you've sinned against a holy God and become sorrowful for your sin. And know the consequence of it. But when you do, I hope that you are also found that the hope of repentance comes through faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. That you understand that there in your sin is not the end, but instead the beginning that you turn to Christ and can be born again. Christian brother or sister, let me encourage you that once you repented of your sins to be saved, that that shouldn't be the last time you've ever repented. That repentance should be a characteristic of the life of a believer. That as a true Christian, that you repent continuously throughout your life. 
Christian discipleship consists of regularly confessing our sins to God, confessing our sins to one another, saying that we know that we have sinned against God and that we can't stay there. Repeating these actions do not save you if you repent over and over again. That happens only once. But as a believer, we are called to know that if we are found in sin, we are to quickly confess them and we are found with mercy. We are to lean daily on the mercy of God knowing that even though that we fail time and time again, his mercy is new every morning. That that goodness of the sins of yesterday aren't counted against us today because we have received the righteousness of Christ. We must understand repentance as part of our call and walk as believers. But let me also say this because many point to this chapter and say, look, the nation turned around which is something that we, many of us, pray for and we expect and we long to see. Just in our time, we want to see our country experience revival. We want to see people come from the path that we are. Friends, listen to this. Revival only comes through repentance. There is much that our country and our society must repent over. Abortion, racism, celebration of biblical sexual ethic, the degrading of the family and turning from God. But revival can only start with personal repentance. Repentance only begins in our own personal prayer closets, in our own very pews. Because if it can't happen here, it certainly is not going to happen out there. We need to understand that we must be people of repentance. So what do you need to repent of today? What do you need to humble yourself unto the holy hot eyes of the Lord? Christian, you might want to see societal repentance, but it begins with you. What is the first thing you need to repent of today? Today, brothers and sisters, our world is in a great need of a legion of Jonahs, fresh with awareness of God's grace in their own lives, who call out to the world with a message of grace. And God will and must judge the wickedness of our world, yet he has sent his own son into it to die for it, and that we have this wonderful message of second chances to share. And in this respect, the ministry of Jonah stands encouragement for all of us to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But also the response of the Ninevites stand in perpetual witness. The repentance of God's relenting judgment stands as a testimony to the grace of God to those who humble themselves in faith. For all those who refuse God's offer of mercy, who harden their proud hearts to the gospel of salvation, will not only See, Jesus who bears witness against them. But as Jesus said in Luke 11, the men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment to this generation and condemn it. For they repeated, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Yet behold, something else greater than Jonah has come. And that is Jesus the Savior. 
You have heard from him. You have heard of his great love. You have heard of his sacrifice for sin. And the good news is there is a second chance that awaits those who receive it in faith. May we understand this wonderful God who gives second chances. And may we take this message of second chances to the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we come to this passage that we both see ourselves in both Jonah and Nineveh, that we have been given the second chance as believers to go take a message of second chances to the world. But may we also see the grace and mercy of Nineveh, that even in the midst of our depths of our sin, grace can find us. So may we live in that grace. May we be encouraged by that grace. May we go in that grace. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we speak today, as we speak in the few weeks to the gospel to every home, we pray today, God, that we would find people in your sovereignty that you are calling to yourself, that they would receive the message of second chances and that they would trust in you. Use us, Lord, as we go. Take the message of second chances to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.